Wait, that is the real epidemic, is the, the lack of strong masculine men and strong feminine women. You're afraid to live because to live fully means you die fully. Now, are you being victimized by a particle in the air or are you being victimized by your government? We're in the metaverse right now. This Zoom call, this podcast, we're in the metaverse. We're in three different countries. Right now, we're in the metaverse. Philosophy is worth nothing if it's not embodied. Tantra is, is not just sexuality. That's just the part the West like freaked out on. Tantra is anything outside yourself and with reality that helps you enter it. Uh, most men, including myself, have found that we're actually afraid of being powerful and assertive and in leadership roles. American universities are just extremely distant from reality. Mm -hmm. We're wired to pay attention to negative stimuli and what we lack, not what we already have. We're not just going to live 500 years through science and drugs or technology mm, I agree. and then suddenly figure out what it's all for. Reclaiming your energy. It was quite difficult to choose an adequate title for this podcast in particular, guys. Why? Well, because our guest today is a fountain of knowledge. He was born and raised in Texas and later on moved to California. And after going through a period of depression, insomnia and infidelity in relationships, he discovered yoga, martial arts and plant medicine. He initially thought he'd be going to get his PhD and learning evolutionary and social psychology, but his destiny proved differently. Kevin realized at the time that he knew a lot of theory but lacked embodiment. He started studying philosophy and this is what led him into the quest of reclaiming his true self. From metaverse and transhumanism to the real epidemic, tantra, masculinity and why most of us men fear a position of leadership, this conversation has a lot of nuance to it, but I will leave you guys to discover it on your own. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Oros. You are listening to The Grateful Show with your hosts Pascu and Bogdan. Join us on our mission to spread awareness around mental health and make people feel happier and overall more grateful. Each week we bring you an inspiring guest, stories and a message that will help you become your best self and pursue your life mission. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to The Grateful Show. Hope you're doing fantastic and if you're not, you're about to be because today we have no one other than Kevin Oros. How is it going, brother? Hey, great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Just to break the ice, what are you grateful for today, Kevin? I'm very grateful for health and just the wellness of sunshine, cold water, organic food and the gym. It's amazing. The basic things, awesome. right? That we take for granted. Oh, why, yeah. why, why is it that you're actually grateful for cold, cold water? I'd be curious to know. I mean, as part of my morning routine is just everyday ice cold shower, which in winter is nice to have. And uh, obviously in the tropics, you got to find an ice bath or a cold plunge, but it's become probably the number one of the number one biohacks in the world for me. And I know for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, for us as well, actually. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get into it. Uh, Kevin, before we dive any further into our conversation, uh, can you give our audience like a brief understanding, a summary, two to three minutes into uh, how you came to be where you are now, please? Yeah, I mean, I've uh, lived many lives in this one. Um, the first kind of life was thinking I was going to do a PhD in psychology, evolutionary and social psychology, went down that kind of rabbit hole got depressed, had a big awakening, um, insomnia, drinking, infidelity in a relationship, just a lot of chaos. 
found yoga and martial arts and plant medicine and headed west, born and raised in Texas, moved to California, became a digital nomad and yeah, basically read Tim Ferriss for our work week and got super deep into building websites, writing a blog. I thought I wanted to just be an author. And then that turned into yoga and Qigong. And then that turned into personal training and then coaching and then men's work and Tantra. So there's been a long rabbit hole of just personal development and the spiritual quest and the hero's journey I've been on. And to this day, it looks like, you know, a lot of speaking events. Now I focus mainly on Web3 and NFTs. I help entrepreneurs scale and build their businesses. I help corporate and startups get their teams really synced up emotionally and take them through various forms of bioenergetics and radical honesty relating exercises. And I also coach couples in achieving, achieving maximum wellness in the bedroom and sacred sexuality, tantra and meditation. Awesome nice, stuff. nice. Well yeah. around Thanks for guy. sharing that with us. <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious, Kevin, because you said that um, first your journey started with you uh, going at uh, psychology university. So what's the difference between Kevin from then and Kevin from now? Yeah, great question. I would say Kevin then was completely living in his head. So lots of theory, lots of knowledge, lots of books under the belt. You know, I was lucky to get into Freud and Jung early, which radically changed my view of everything. Um, but no embodiment. So what I realized, you know, unfortunately, in the universities today, and I know it may be different in other parts of the world, but the American universities are just extremely distant from reality. Mm. So while there is amazing stuff happening, most of it's a hierarchy status game to get tenure, to get funding. And all the grad students I saw in the psychology department were miserable, um, burnt out, fatigued, not good relationships, not good fitness. And so I was just really confused. And that's what yoga and Qigong and meditation helped me realize is that if you're, because I'm a philosopher more than a psychologist. So what I realized is your philosophy is worth nothing if it's not embodied. Story mm. is priceless without action, pretty much without actually applying it very very interesting very deep one uh how how have you actually got interested into like exploring like the likes of like as you said personal training fitness meditation have you had like uh like um as you said uh, an awakening moment that has basically uh resulted into you diving in all of those areas or did you start with one and that has basically allowed you to develop and like discover all the other areas yeah i mean the doorway into all of it was philosophy so mm. i was studying psychology and philosophy as an undergraduate and right. reading nagarjuna and the yoga sutras of patanjali and reading the Tao Te ching and lao tzu you know i started to realize there's a whole nother universe other than the, the western science mind materialist yeah. mind and so then i started practicing yoga and without really knowing practicing meditation, and that was the portal into Qigong and Tai Chi, which that was the portal into Tantra and finding, you know, various energy techniques and mindfulness techniques to be with reality. And then that was a portal into Osho and bioenergetics, which I would say is probably the most impactful um, modality that I heavily trained in. So, yeah, I mean, and it all comes back to natural law, which all of these, these techniques are teaching yeah, you yeah. how to use your mind and your body, which are not separate. Um, that's the actual medicine of them. 
and combine that with plants, the wisdom of plant teachers and the various shamanic techniques. And then you have, you know, a full kit to transform your consciousness. Awesome. Really interesting. And uh, again, I'm really curious because most probably it wasn't easy for you to actually build those habits and to, to, to shift your life to start meditation, yoga, and all that. But what would be the advices you would give to a youngster that's discovering, let's put it this way, the world and doesn't know where he belongs or she belongs? Uh, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the Joseph Campbell advice, which is what I did without knowing it. And all great artists and performers and leaders and everyone you know did, which was follow your bliss. So you have to start with what's interesting to you. You can't start where I started or where you're going to start. So whatever you are most interested in and that burning question you have, the why, the how, the what, your art, your joy, that's beyond like the joy of like, working a nine to five and having a beer and watching TV and Netflix. That's not joy. This is real joy, ecstasis, which is going outside the self. Find that and go all in on it, even if it doesn't make sense, because most of the time it won't make sense. Mm. But if you truly go after it, it'll open a portal into another world. Very heavy words. Um, what I wanted to ask you is there's a lot of, let's say, misconception and it just became I, I i personally feel like it became cool to be spiritual ever since the pandemic like to like if you look back like five years ago there were not as many people interested in like learning about meditation like the likes of wim hof or things that have to do with these areas uh and there is this whole saying that um if I'm if I'm vibing with someone, I'm I'm gonna be friends with them. And people are aware of like the vibes, the vibration, but they don't really understand how it actually works and how energy works. And you mentioned about Tantra, and as much as I might have like a general understanding of it, would you be able to describe it in like general terms to the audience and how it actually works? How does energy work? Uh, between each of us and with uh, nature as well? Yeah, I mean, no matter which direction you come from, you can come from the spiritual direction and read the Vedas or the Upanishads or the, you know, even in the Bible and the, the Zohar, you know, all these ancient texts. It talks about, you know, in the beginning, there was just energy, light and sound, and then God or whatever is organizing it, organized it. And so you can go that way and it's very metaphysical, mythological, or you can go the science way and quantum physics and particle physics tells us the same thing. So this is a literal reality. Literally all there is is vibes or energy. And this is a mind fuck to actually understand and live. Um, and obviously we don't experience it that way. We don't experience positrons, quarks and leptons, but that's what's happening in matter in mm -hmm. our body, which is a trip. So Tantra is, is not just sexuality. That's just the part of the West like freaked out on. Tantra is anything outside yourself and with reality that helps you enter it. So it's just, it means union with reality. Tantra is a form of yoga that actually unites with the outside world instead of other forms of yoga that, and yoga just means union. This isn't like stretching and poses. Yoga is a whole world philosophy around consciousness and union with reality or the divine. So instead of going outside of reality and meditating in a cave and detaching from everything, Tantra is you actually go through and in. 
And obviously sexuality is at the highest level of that, but you know, anything can be Tantra. Walking, hiking, cooking, playing, music, art, you know, business, it can all become tantric if you see it that way and it's a doorway into meditation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you say that it's good for us, um, like we spoke earlier, that more and more people are actually into the spirituality realm with all these pandemics? And is it good? Is it better because, like, we are making this more aware for people even though they are not doing it necessarily the right way because they are just doing like pasco said just because it's cool or would you say that it's bad i mean i think it's good if, if consciousness is going to transform the planet it has to start with individuals so if even one person did it because it was cool and trendy and actually received benefits from it and transformed it's worth it and the reason it's happening And again, we're in a bubble. So, you know, the people we're following on social media and our friends and their friends are a bubble of the conscious community or woke culture. If you want to go the leftist kind of radical way or whatever, the Christian culture, new age culture, that's a bubble. Most people on the planet are living on less than a dollar a day and are in very much survival consciousness. A lot of people on the planet. So if we have iPhones and MacBooks, you know, we're very privileged. Now, with that privilege comes a responsibility, which is now our, our, we don't have to face survival. We're not starving or freezing or tigers aren't eating us. So we have to do something with our consciousness. And so all these techniques, Wim Hof, cold plunging, fasting, eating healthy, doing yoga, starting a business, whatever, these are ways to expand consciousness and grow. And so, of course, they're going to grow at a time when consciousness is being contracted and restricted. You know, and this is what's happening worldwide with Corona and, you know, without the politics and opinions, Corona as intense as it's been is a great gift. Like, obviously, a lot of our institutions and governments from the past are completely bankrupt morally and financially. They're just completely outside of what makes any logical sense with life and nature and humanity. So seeing that you have a choice, you're like, oh, shit, it's like Neo. Are you going to take the blue pill and just pretend everything's normal and, you know, go along with all these mandates or are you going to take the red pill? Are you going to actually choose to live in freedom for yourself? Yeah, definitely. And as, as you, as you mentioned, I think, um, more than anything is, is like a mission for us. As you, as you said, I could fully relate to the fact that we are privileged and not just because we have like, Uh, the basic needs like shelter, uh, drinkable water and all of those things, but also access to like so much information, which, uh, which as much as a lot of it is like controlled and censored, uh, you could say that a lot of us don't, don't even need like proper education anymore. If you know how to educate yourself whilst on, on other sides of the planet, those people aren't even entitled to like four classes of like basic, basic education. Like they can't even read some of them. So we are definitely in a position of, I will, I, I don't want to say entitlement, but a lot of it, a lot of it is entitlement because we, we just don't appreciate the things that we have. And we just tend to, we just tend to like see everything as a negative, see everything as like we are the victim, or at least this is how a lot of people have played the whole pandemic out as them being the victim and them being uh, played out by the government or whatever. 
well, this is very classical, you know, psychological manipulation. This is classical, the victim savior perpetrator triad, which exists in emotional patterns. So basically COVID is the perpetrator. It's the enemy. It's fucking up everything. It's all the virus's fault, which is so absurd if you just think about that alone. And then comes you, the victim, right? Your life is being victimized. Now, are you being victimized by a particle in the air or are you being victimized by your government? Whole nother question. And then the savior comes, which is the government. We're going to give you a bailout. We're going to open businesses back up. You just have to do what we say. And this is a little triad that repeats. And this is an emotional manipulation technique that's been well studied by KGB, CIA, very, you know, the Chinese version of the secret police. A lot of people understand this. A lot of people also understand this in the narcissist impact dynamic. And you see this playing out. So this is this is actually the burden. And a lot of the teachers of the last century have pointed this out. This is the burden of having abundance. Mm-hmm. So when you have all your needs met and everything's good, any negativity, mainly to your money, your, your scarcity mindset, or to your status, to your social hierarchy can derail you and you become victimized. And now it's poor me and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, compared to the Bushmen living in the African savanna or the guy living in the ghettos of Beijing who just wants to find clean water, mm-hmm. you are living like an emperor 100 years ago, 200 years ago. And then you're blind to it because your brain, and this is natural, it's not, you don't have to feel bad about this. This is just part of how we're wired. We're wired to pay attention to negative stimuli and what we lack, not what we already have. And that's just part of biology that, again, these consciousness transformation techniques can help you get a hold of and actually don't listen to that voice and embody more of your true self, which is super grateful and abundant and aware of all these things. Yeah. But you know what? It's actually way easier to say than to actually do it because you see a lot of people that maybe they maybe they can see through the lies, through the government lies, through the television and through social media and everything. Fact checkers. Yeah, but it's still it's still really hard for them to actually do the things that they are supposed to do, not to comply and not to not to follow blindly all the government rules. And uh, I'm just curious, what would you tell someone who is listening, for example, this podcast, uh, it's vaccinated and it's he has done it or she has done it just because she wants her freedom and she wants to, to, to relive the life that they used to live two or three years ago when everything started. Yeah, I mean, the first step is just to be honest with yourself. And this is some of the most painful things we can do and not easy, but simple. Just be really honest with yourself. Do you value the job you're in, the relationships you've in, your daily routines, your life? Like what's actually happening there? And where do you already know you need to make shifts? So that's just bringing awareness. You can do this with a daily journaling practice, a daily nature immersion practice, physical practice spiritual practice, meditation, whatever you choose it, but start to ask those questions. And you only, you are going to know what you have to do. Um, Ultimately, I I imagine what you'll find is that anytime you give away your freedom of choice or your freedom of, you know, decision to someone else, especially if it's an authority that's telling you to do it, like, Hey, trust us. This is safe. We know what's best for you. You know, you're going to get into a tricky situation. 
Now, if you truly search yourself and you're like, wow, this is what I really want to do. And this is what I think is best. And I'm making this decision. And it happens to line up with what the authorities are saying. Great. At least you can live in peace knowing that. Um, I, I think that a lot of people, though, that's probably not true. Yeah, I fully agree with you. And I think as you as you said, as as cliche as it might sound, it's just a matter of like actually having the guts to take the red pill and having the guts to like question the status quo. And maybe not everything that the counterparting is telling you is fully clear and true, but maybe some of it is, and maybe you are wrong this whole time, or maybe you're not fully wrong, but again, it all comes down to like you questioning your current set of beliefs, current set of perspective, vision, and so on. Uh, but moving away from the subject, because I am more than certain we could be spending like three hours talking about it and uh, not getting anywhere near like a, 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 a I guess, a, um, a feasible solution for each individual that might be listening. Uh, I wanted to ask you because um, I saw a lot of like a variety when it comes to like the topics that you touch and uh, the things that you, uh, I guess, value, hence why you're talking about them. Uh, there was one thing in particular that really stood out to me and I'm going to quote you as, Exponential technology is here to aid humanity in entering a new cultural enlightenment. What did you mean by this? And how did you come to this conclusion? I mean, it's very simple if you just look back at history. And mm -hmm. I believe history repeats itself through fractals and it's a hologram, which means nothing fancy other than if you look at positions in history, they reflect other positions, past and present and future. So look back at technology like the printing press. I mean, the first example is probably fire. When human humans and early tribes, you know, they're like literally cold, dark nights, there's predators, there's other humans, there's whatever. Fire changed the game. We had light, we had heat, we could cook, we could defend ourselves. I mean, it just changed everything. It opened the way to smithing and building and agriculture and civilization. That's a technology, knowing how to control fire. And then you can keep going forward, you know, the wheel, the boat, you know, stone making, iron working. And then look at something like the printing press, which is really when things exploded. Before the printing press, the only books were the Bible. I'm seeing in Eurasia, you know, yeah. there's, there's plenty of other places where this is happening, mainly in China and the Middle East, actually, which is they beat Europe to the printing press. They got the technology from them. But I'm assuming we're somewhat from European descent. The printing press opened the door. So now it's not just the priesthood that had the book or the mainframe computer or the, the knowledge. Now anyone can have it. Now, first, it was only the intellectuals, the artists, the priests. And then generally, gradually, other books started to be printed. That's an exponential technology because now anyone has access to knowledge and knowledge is power. Applied knowledge is power. Yeah. So they can actually leverage themselves and the merchant class is created. This is when the class of merchants and artisans is created. And then we move into the Renaissance in Europe, the, the cultural enlightenment that happened there with art and governance and music and philosophy and you know economics. Technology now, I mean, it's, it's insanity what this is. The printing press was insane. This device is orders of magnitude more powerful. It's a supercomputer with access to all information on the planet. That's not censored or blocked from us, obviously. Yeah. Now, that can be seen as an enslavement device. For a lot of people, it is. Um, or that can be seen as a gateway into freedom, which for a lot of other people, it is. So tools always create exponential change. I trust humanity. A critical mass of humanity will choose to use it in an exponentially benevolent way 
and not give in to the forms of control and the forms of chaos that actually want to trap humanity with the technology. Yeah, completely agree with you. And because we are on the subject and because uh, you uh, talk about what the NFTs and have some projects with NFTs as well, what's your take on Web 3.3.0 and about Metaverse that sooner or later it's about to come, isn't it? Well, here's the crazy thing. Like people act like this is so new and it's, wow, the metaverse, it's ready player one is the matrix. <laughs> yes, we're going to move towards that. There's no doubt. We're already in it though. Mm. We're in the metaverse right now. This Zoom call, this podcast, we're in the metaverse. We're in three different countries right now. We're in the metaverse. We just don't think about it this way. This is how much of a mind fuck technology is. We've <laughs> been in the metaverse. When you're scrolling on Instagram, when you're on TikTok, when you're scrolling on Google, you're already there. It's just very low resolution. It's, it's like screen, right? When the goggles and the glasses and the AR and the VR come in, then it's going to be way more immersive, which could make it way more powerful in the case of NFT art and performance and online meetups and like cultural events like festivals, which I am bullish on. But it'll also make the control extremely more intense. I mean, think about VR porn or VR, you know, drugs or like, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen both ways. Yeah. And humans are like that. We go to extremes. We crave novelty. We crave pleasure and we crave new things and flashy, colorful things. You know, our eyes literally evolve to perceive that and move towards it. So really the metaverse is already here. So if you want to, if you're worried about the web three metaverse, which I think is going to be a better off because it's going to cut out middlemen, it's going to be more decentralized, not fully, but it'll be more decentralized than web two is what we're using now mm -hmm. and it's going to create a lot of freedom especially if you're an artist or an entrepreneur or creator healer coach consultant writer it's going to give you a lot more freedom to monetize and earn value for your gifts for other people it'll just be 3d tiktok where they just don't eat don't sleep and they get trapped in the matrix that they're already in it'll just be another level of it pretty much yeah i fully agree with you uh my only, I guess not counter question, but it's like a different, um, I guess, view on it and how it could roll out is I haven't finished, but at some point I started a book called The Divine Metrics or Divine Metrics. And essentially uh, the author was talking about how a long time ago, presumably there were people, uh, if you can call them people, there were civilizations that were more advanced than us when it comes to things like telepathy, when it comes to things like teleportation, when it comes to like basically things that we cannot really do right now. Uh, and we, if we do, we do them through technology. We don't do them through our actual own uh, mind, our own frequency, whatever. Uh, and why, why do I mention this? My question is, do you think it would allow us to, uh, still develop on a human level, on a spiritual level? As you said, it, would it still allow that embodiment or would it actually limit us uh, in that regard and basically would make us more dependable on technology in itself? Yeah, this is an interesting question. I'm calling to mind, I think I've placed, I first heard it was Jesse Elder, who's an amazing coach and speaker and he talks about like you know two paths of humanity there's at least two there's a lot more but yeah there's like the transhumanists who want to become ai cyborgs so you know these are the elon musk the jeff bezos who want to become mm -hmm. mortal mm -hmm. you know 
I'm assuming a lot, but they seem like they want to be immortal and they want to like put in Neuralink, right? They want an AI computer in their brain. So they're going to use technology to get to these crazy states of information and telepathy and all these things. Um, or there's going to be the ultra humans or the, the Gaian humans who will activate their abilities like Neo and things like telekinesis, pyrokinesis, telepathy, teleportation, bilocation. I mean, if you want to really get spooky, go read some of the declassified stuff that the CIA and these MI6 and these organizations have put out. The paranormal phenomenon are real and they've been studying it for 80 years and they have proof that it exists. I mean, go, there's a documentary on remote viewing in the CIA that will blow your fucking mind. These are like hardcore military guys that are no woo-woo talking about this kind of stuff happening. Um, now, is it going to be like Avatar Last Airbender where people are flying around and like teleporting <laughs> and shooting blasts at each other of like energy? You know, maybe one day. But because of the era that we're in as humanity, technology is an externalization of these powers or consciousness that go into matter. And so it's amazing. We're doing telepathy right now. Zoom is telepathy through this tech. So you can hear me right now in real time, right? I can hear you. I and mean, it's amazing. Um, at some point, yeah, I think the world will get really weird and people will become more aware of the abilities and powers that are in their own body, which is ultimately way more powerful than technology. Technology is just a tool. Um, you yeah. can get rid of technology and still advance your consciousness abilities. Um, you can't use technology to reach that state. So you got to just kind of understand the order here. Like nature is, is, is it. Like we are it, like the body, nature, ourselves, our souls, our energy, whatever you believe. And then technology is underneath that. And it's beautiful. It's a tool. It's great. It helps us expand and grow. But if you put technology first, you're going to have a bad time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what that's what I was uh, getting to with with the question. I appreciate your point of view and I respect it. Um, what I wanted to ask you, though, is because we are talking about technology and you're talking about likes of Elon Musk. Uh, and this is like a personal question uh, to you. Um, so give it some thought if needed. Um, if there will be, and there most probably is going to be um, an opportunity to do this, if you will have the opportunity to become immortal, would you choose to? If so, why? And if not, why? Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends. If it means being put in a cryo tank or plugged into an AI, not a chance. Now, if, like I believe, there has been humans that live two, three, four, five hundred years just through natural life extension of optimal health, wellness, and probably frequency technologies um, that could be just from the earth or from sacred sites where there's a lot of geomagnetic energy. And also there's things like zero point energy, scalar waves. There's all these places in the world that there's mysteries where a lot of these ancient megalithic sites, Egypt, Mayan, Chinese, you know, whatever, they're built on top of areas mm -hmm. where there's a massive concentration of scalar waves or a resonance energy that actually heals and rejuvenates the human body or causes the human body to go through massive changes. So yeah, I, I, I'm going to live a long and fruitful, healthy life. Do I want to be immortal in this body? No, it doesn't make any sense. My soul yeah. is immortal. My soul was never born and will never die. So I'm already immortal. And so are you. So That's being so immortal in a body is actually a trip. It's, it's a bad trip. It's an mm -hmm. ego trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely agree with you. But you know what pisses me off? The mentality of people, because 
We cured so many diseases throughout uh, the years, uh, so many. And it pisses me off the fact that we don't see aging as something that we can cure. Because again, there are some cells in our body that won't reproduce anymore. And you just basically stay with the old ones. And because the body can't like replace itself, it will die. But wouldn't you think that people would be better off if they would just shift their mentality to think that, okay, maybe we can fix aging, not necessarily in order to become immortal, like you said, because it would be very tiring for us to live like forever, but maybe for like two, three, four, five hundred years, wouldn't be more better for us humans? I think in order to achieve that, you know, there's going to be a lot of consciousness change. And this is the thing, like the law of mentalism, right? Like the world is made up of mind and mind is alive. Mind is consciousness. So we have to change it on that level first. We're not just going to live 500 years through science and drugs or technology. Mm, I agree. And then suddenly figure out what it's all for. They have to happen together. And so this is the difference that I think a lot of people get caught up in. The guys like Elon, you know, which Elon's playing a character. Who knows what he really thinks? Um, some of these characters, they, they're they selling us a bullshit narrative around merging with AI and this whole transhumanist weird agenda you hear talked about. I don't know if any of that's true, but I definitely don't think it's a good idea. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I fully agree with you when you're saying that he's playing a character, mainly because uh, when he's basically been asked, like uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast, I think it was the second interview that they had, he was like, so why, why are you doing this if you know it's like very risky for the humanity? Uh, why do you think they are doing it? He was asking, he was like, I told them not to, but they didn't listen, but they didn't listen. And he was all of this dramatic, like he now has to be the hero that goes there and basically changes the course of history, which is most probably not the case. Like, let's be honest. Uh, but I, well, I wanted to, I wanted to also ask you and touch a bit more on um, sexual polarity, because I know it's something that you are very passionate about. And I think, I personally think that we are currently in, epidemic i think that there's not enough men that are actually masculine nowadays and i'm talking about the modern world obviously uh the world that we are part of so uh would you would you describe like what polarity is and what uh what is basically fading from from the current um i guess generation of men currently in a society yeah this is huge and definitely one of the places i'm really passionate about Put a lot of hours into this. Um, we, that is the real epidemic: is the the lack of strong masculine men and strong feminine women. Um, they go hand in hand. You know, there's various reasons. You can look at it at many levels of analysis. At one level, testosterone is the lowest it's ever been. So, when you look at men 80 years ago versus men today, basically, men today have the testosterone of like a 50 year old. 80 years ago. And you can look at all these studies they've done. It's yep. insane. And that's just little tiny slices. Who knows what it's really about? Now, why is that? I mean, there's a lot of factors. Some of them are chemical. So our food, you know, soy, microplastics, radiation, there's all these things that fuck with the body's ability to make testosterone. So that's a physical chemical effect. A lot of it's behavioral, right? So, you know, not being exposed to the elements, not lifting, not training, not going into conflict, not 
developing yourself and your masculine abilities, which are mental, physical, um, is huge. And there's also a paradigm, you know, a paradigm of the single mother raising the kids or the the father being absent, whether physically or emotionally. So really it's a loss of the rites of passage and initiation that boys would normally go through to become men. And I've been blessed to be in these scenes, doing men's work, leading these retreats, attending these retreats Mm -hmm. that are all around creating initiation. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, when our generations get older, and you've already seen this after the baby boomers, and really it it started way before that, but it started to really accelerate the last hundred years. You see men that are more feminized in many ways. And now we're not talking about people who are, you know, dual spirit or transgender, or like, you know, they have the opposite polarity, like a man who actually enjoys and embodies the feminine, which is real, that exists, but it's a vast minority. We're talking about most people who are in the classical polarity where a man is in his masculine, woman's in her feminine. And that's actually the way nature best works together. Um, And then, you know, people get caught up in those arguments against that, which I think is absurd. But, mm-hmm. you know, bless them. It's, it's beautiful that people are pushing the edges. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. But a lot of people are now, you know, especially if you're in between 20 and 40 right now, all the time, female clients or people I talk to are like, where are the men? All these spiritual men are like, you know, they're feminine or all the men are like, where are the women? Like all the women I'm dating are masculine. And it's like, well, there's a polarity reversal that's happened. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just a given that you're, mating relationship, sexual, emotional life with the opposite sex is going to be naturally, you have to actually train and understand how this works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because we are on the subject um, lately, the no fat movement, most probably have heard of it because lately everybody's talking about it. Do you think it's helping us to raise our testosterone levels? Do you think it really has real benefits or not? I mean, yeah, you can study blood serum, testosterone, and like even after two or three days without ejaculating, your testosterone goes up like 40%, all right, if you're a healthy male. So it 100% does work. Semen retention and the tantric practice of actually circulating sexual energy through your body and not always ejaculating either with Mm -hmm. yourself or with a partner is huge and is actually a core practice I believe all men should be practicing. Um, you know, diet's a big part of it too, with testosterone huge one. and porn, you know, porn use is a huge issue because that's programming men into this destructive addiction, um, most of the time. And so these are areas that you have to kind of realize and live into as a man to just hold, learn to hold your sexual energy. Can you hold the charge? Can you hold the energy? And so it's crazy. Most men aren't afraid of being at rock bottom and all fucked up because a lot of men are whether it's addiction or emotional or physical trauma or whatever, they're just in this kind of stage. Um, Most men, including myself, have found that we're actually afraid of being powerful and assertive and in leadership roles and of claiming a woman or claiming your purpose or claiming money and really living into it in integrity and with compassion, but really going Mm -hmm. for it. Most men are afraid of that. And so we have a culture of men that, you know, and I have a lot of hope because the men's movement and, you know, real warrior training, real initiation, you know, this is happening and it's going to continue to happen. And so all the men out there, you know, if you're listening to this, like find a men's circle, find a group of men you can be vulnerable with and train with and go to your edges with. It's absolutely healthy and a necessity. It's not even an option. You need it. It's how we evolved. 
100%. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we touched a lot of subjects, which I really love and enjoy that we've been able to in such a short period of time. Uh, yet, I would like to uh, basically give some hope to our audience or anyone listening uh, randomly this podcast. Therefore, I will ask you, Kevin, what would be free actionable tips that you would give to this person listening right now to not necessarily like become this ultra human uh, that we are talking about, but to basically reclaim their masculine energy, reclaim their feminine energy if it's a female uh, listening and to basically embody what they were me- meant to, to be and what they were meant to, to become on, on this, uh, I guess, physical realm. Yeah, I mean, you gotta go back to the basics. So start with your body, that's level one. Start with your body. That means eat well, train well, get sunlight, get in nature, expose yourself to the elements. You know, think about the four elements, you know, fire, sun, air, your breath, earth, the food you're eating and water, clean water. Like if you start there and really get into it, whether you're a man or a woman, you're gonna get healthier, you're gonna get stronger, you're gonna unlock more energy. That's the first stage that a lot of people are still at. That also involves your sexuality and your emotions because that's in your body. So you got to stop leaking that. You have to learn to say no. You have to set boundaries. You need to start building up your energy body, which means your sexual energy, your chi. You have to build it. The next one is, you know, get your mind. Now do that with your mind and your mental models. So decondition yourself. Are you watching news? Are you watching mainstream media? Are you watching social media and letting these ideas condition you about what a man should be or a woman should be? And mm-hmm. question where you're getting that information, mm-hmm. you know, and train and be diligent with how you're learning. So if, if you're learning, if you're growing, if you're applying yourself, fully apply yourself, whether it's art or music, whether it's business or finance, whether it's relationships or communication, apply yourself and train. That's really the third step is like, get on point, get on mission. If your mission is to be a mother, go all in. If you want to be a gardener, go all in. If you want to run a company, go all in and do it from a place of gratitude and overflow. Don't set yourself up to burn out. And this is, you know, all of this still applies to me. I'm talking to myself too, because I have done all these things. You mm-hmm. have to get ready for what's coming. This decade is going to be more intense than probably any decade we've lived through. You know, I've only lived three decades, but, you know, we're living into this decade and, you know, we're, we're in a massive shift. Things will not go back to normal. They're like you it never was normal. Pre-corona wasn't normal. It's just, you couldn't see all the shit that's happening. Now yeah. we can see more of the shit that's happening, which means it's only going to get more intense. So knowing that, get comfortable with uncertainty. Thank you so much for sharing those. I mean, you heard Kevin, guys. Just uh, what the hell are you waiting for? Just go and sort out your life because if you don't do it now, it's going to be way harder later because there's going to be way more powerful and more meanings to control you. And yeah, it's It's just going to be way harder. It's way harder to take decisions when you're like a couple thousands of blue pills in. Exactly. Yeah. Kevin, I just wanted to ask you, I know it's going to be a little bit cliche, but what do you think is the meaning of life? Yeah, I mean, the cliche answer is to give life meaning, to give it energy and to to tell your story 
I, I think the ultimate meaning of life is to expand and grow consciousness, AKA love, which sounds so silly, but is actually true. If we look at natural laws in the universe, we look at evolutionary theory, we look at, if you look deep into yourself, that's all I can find. Cause that's what life wants to do. Cause it's all intelligent. It's all alive. Beautiful. Yeah, I completely agree with you. We really lack the expression of emotions, especially love. And we do things just for the sake of doing them. We don't do them from a place of gratitude and of love, like you said. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, we got to be mindful of your time and our audience time. So uh, I just want you to ask you the last question of the show. And if you need to just take your time in order to answer. So um, it goes like this. Imagine that you are on your deathbed. So you are about to die. But before that, you get to experience, you get to see the best uh, version of yourself looking at you. You see and comprehend what you could have become. How would you feel about yourself and about your life in that specific moment? I mean, assuming I've lived the way I've lived up until now at 32 and I continue that and live a full life, I feel like I would be very ecstatic and blissful and be surrounded by my children and their children and my loved ones and be in reverie and singing my song of life. Um, I think because most people, including myself, were or are afraid to die, we're afraid of death, we're afraid of not being, that actually translates to a fear of life. You're afraid to live because to live fully means you die fully. And so this is kind of one of those core ideas in the warrior culture and the shamanic tradition of if you live fully with knowledge and awareness, you can die fully and at peace because you you know you went all in and did your best and that's all that matters. And that's really where my mind and heart orient towards. And obviously I fall short of the mark all the time, but the goal is to just keep moving in that direction. Yeah, very beautiful. And I think it was either Epictetus or Seneca that said that the man that learns how to die and learns slavery. Therefore, once you learn how to die, you basically learn how to live as as you mentioned Kevin Ban. Uh yeah, uh before I let you go, I want to roll the red carpet over and I want you to basically share any resources that you want to share. Tell us about your podcast. Uh everything you're going to to share now is going to be linked in the description for the audience listening. So, uh, feel free to to give us your your resources. Yeah, really grateful to you gents for having me on and same yeah, I think the best place to start could be my book or my podcast. So I have a book with two co-authors, Cattle Last and Daniel Dick, who wrote this with me. We spoke it. It's very philosophical. It's deep. It's all about sex, masculinity, and God, which is the title. And it's a trilogue um, of 10 chapters of that. You can find that on Amazon if you search my name. Um, my podcast is The Revolution. R is in parentheses, Re-Evolution. And there's, I think, 130 episodes up. Um, of all kinds of topics, everything we've covered, crypto, tantra, consciousness, coaching, retreats, communication, everything. And there's a lot of amazing people on there, including Daniel Pinchback and JP Sears and a lot of really powerful people that will blow your minds. That's a great place to start. Um, I'm on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, my name, Kevin Oris, O-R-O-S-Z. 
it's um yeah it's my joy to do videos content i'm shifting more towards polarity and dynamics with relating and communicating and also supporting startups and corporate to like get their teams like 100 synced through the technology of tribal energetics and relational tantra and, and getting to know people at a deep level um, I teach that in two of my online courses, Flow State Mastery and Masculine Mastery, which you can find at my website, which is myname.com, kevinorris.com. Um, those courses are self-paced and will teach you how to create the most powerful morning routine and personal rituals. And also Masculine Mastery will take you through the four archetypes of men, king, warrior, magician, and lover. So very powerful starter kit for men's work. And yeah, that's that's those are the places to find me. Love it. All the links are going to be in the description, guys. I'm going to buy the book. If you guys don't buy the book, I'm I'm, I'm literally very disappointed in you. Uh, with that said, this was Pascal. This was Bogdan. And until next time, you guys stay grateful. Thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you so much for sticking all the way till the end. This shows that you are serious about taking your life to the next level and doing that through a perspective of gratitude. If you enjoyed this interview, it would help us massively if you could give us a 5-star rating review on iTunes or else share this on your stories and tag us. This way, with your help, our message will be seen by more people and together we will make this world a better place.